This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Action Jackson. Your yeah, voice he's out changed. today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's out today. He'll be back. I gotta. I'll, I'll see what I'm, I'm gonna try real hard to fill his tiny little shoes. I think he blew his motor <laughs> up, or it's sick, so that's why he's not here. Hey, folks, uh, your life is valuable, and you should be able to defend yourself and your loved ones. That's why our founders protected the rights with the Second Amendment. The problem is that lawmakers don't understand that criminals don't follow the laws, and they keep on making it harder for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. What can you do about it? Well, you can join a Second Amendment activist group like San Diego County Gun Owners. SDCGO makes activism easy. SDCGO connects you with other gun owners. Working together, we're getting more pro-gun officials elected. Join today at SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com. Go to SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com and join today. Prize winner. We Ta-da. got a prize winner, Ta-da. Ken Van Tassel. You have won a Gun Owners Radio prize pack coming your way. Stickers, patches, and other goodies. If you, dear listener, want to win, join the Gun Owners Radio uh, Gun Owners Radio newsletter. All you got to do is go to gunownersradio.com, join the newsletter, and you'll get, uh, once a week, you'll get a, a newsletter from uh, Gun Owners Radio. It talks about all the cool things we're doing and the show's you know, coming up and when it's posted and all that other good stuff. <clears throat> we also have a new sponsor, San Diego Flight Training International, Phil Thalheimer, who is a proud San Diego County Gun Owners member. Thank you so much, Phil. Thanks for, for sponsoring. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Everybody, uh, check out San Diego Flight Training International. And uh, in the studio, Dwight, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Dwight from CL1, everybody's favorite uh, gun cleaner. And, of course, the lovely Melissa. How are you? <coughs> oh, you don't have a mic. Uh, good. <laughs> Pick a mic. You're doing good? Good. Yes. You're going to do, a, uh, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna do a, uh, a, a gear review for us today, right? Which looks uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. Dwight's going to have to move over. Yes, um, I'm going to do a um, gear review on a really cool gun case that you guys almost, are going to love. Almost as interesting as your uh, Big Trouble and Little little China you T-shirt. Knew the mo- you knew the movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, what, what was that's that? so awesome. What was that guy's name? Uh, Lopan. No, no, not Lopan. What was the main dude? Jack uh, Burton. Jack Burton, that's what it was. <laughs> <clears throat> the original action. I guess he was just action Jack, not So we're, we're done with Red Dawn? <laughs> no, we're never done with I Red Dawn. Think. Best documentary think. ever made. So when are you uh, going to start taking flying lessons? <laughs> I don't know. I want to see this. I, I, t- I, I, fl- I flew a, uh, a Cessna a couple times when I was a kid. Did you really? Yeah. yeah I did, too. My old man's a pilot. Joe, were, were you a pilot, Joe? No, no, not me. He hasn't taken that one up yet, huh? No, I'm not a Cessna guy. I didn't mind the helicopters uh, doing the search and rescue stuff, but I, I was crazy about the other ones. You, I remember you telling me, you and I were talking about how did you you fly? Were... No, I sat, basically, <laughs> climbed in and out of them. But, uh, what kind of helicopter <laughs> was it? They were the, ty- the uh, 
sheriffs used to have these tiny, I don't know, bell helicopters. Yeah, the they, little ones with they'd the... fit two guys in the front and then two of us in the back uh, with backpacks. And they used to argue about the backpacks. But and then uh, one time, a couple of people got dropped off without the backpacks. And yeah, we'll bring them right up. And they couldn't come up because back then, if it was too hot, it was too cold, it was too wet, it was too dark, they couldn't fly. So mm -hmm. like something changed between the time they <laughs> dropped the guys off and the time they were going to bring the backpacks back. So they had two search and rescue guys out in the middle of nowhere with, with no backpacks. Stuff. Yeah, so we we changed that policy. <laughs> so it was like the was it like the magnet was it was it like TC's helicopter? Is that what it was? Yeah, probably. It was it was. Um, it was really tiny. It's interesting because we used to, um, they would fly these things in and they would put the, the front skids on a boulder and they would hover there. And then you'd have to climb out the door, climb along the skid and climb out onto the boulder. And while you're there, you know, the whole front of it's glass. So you're watching this guy fly. It always amazed me because the whole time they're using both hands and both feet Jeez. to fly that thing. And it's well, it's like, like patting man. your head and rubbing your tummy from what I've been told by helicopter pilots. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine that that flew in the Navy was saying it's like it's like standing on top of a basketball. He, yeah. That's how he described it. Yeah, it's just crazy. But yeah, I was I felt much safer in that than I would would have felt on the fixed wing spotter planes that they used to use out there. <laughs> well, well, bad news. I confirmed that Denny's has discontinued spaghetti. <laughs> oh, you went to you what, actually found yeah, out what the hell is that? Like they finally found there's one dish we've been talking about it for like six months. They had one dish that was edible, and they discontinue it. So how did you confirm this? I went to like three different Denny's. <laughs> and search. you walked in and walked out. Yes. I'm not Stan. Oh hey, if we just get him a case of Chef Boyardee, we'll be fine. Oh, is that <laughs> a slam? never know the difference. Yeah, I was pretty upset. Well, my it's chicken fettuccine at Casino Inn has been discontinued. And I go, what? And they go, oh. well, we did a survey and it was so far down the list. Nobody, and it's probably one of the best chicken fettuccines I've ever had. Why do they do this? I don't know. And then, I, and then I'm, I'm uh, who else am I mad at? I'm mad at, uh, I'm not really mad at them. It's just, if you are, you're disappointed. You know, you know Cold Stone, you guys have been to Cold Stone? Oh, yeah. Those are the most arrogant workers. I mean, <laughs> they like really think, you know what I mean? They're sitting there with their tools making ice cream. Oh, yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. You're yeah, not, you're right. They're not, they're not really making ice cream. They're just, nah, they're just it slopping it together. They're not even <laughs> making ice cream. They're just sitting there with their tools and, and they're slopping all the goodies in, into yeah, it. They just have like this attitude. I'm like, really? Come on, guys. It's just ice cream, you know? Anyway. Well, it's just like Starbucks. I, well, to, I don't even don't get started on Starbucks. Hey, I went to Starbucks one time. First time I ever been to a Starbucks. My wife goes all the time. She has her special cup. She has this, she has that. So I said, Yeah, I'd like to get a cup of cup of coffee. He says, What do you want? I said, Black. He says, Go to McDonald's. <laughs> the Starbucks person said <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. I go, okay. And I yeah, turned happily. around and I walked out the door. I had there was one, it was actually right when it was what, six, seven years ago when, when I was just starting San Diego County Gun Owners. I was still working for the bank, and I was staying up late getting everything started to, for San Diego. So I was had all these late nights, is what I'm trying to say. And um, I uh, I don't drink coffee at all. I don't really. There's no caffeine in my diet at all. Like, right. Not I. There's no reason. I just yeah. There's you know maybe a little iced tea now and then. But I was super tired. And I had to get through work, so I was stopping off at the Starbucks on the way, and just ordering like, hey, I just need coffee or whatever. I don't even. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just needed some caffeine. So they hand me this cup, and it said Wyatt on it. And they, they for some somebody thought my name was Wyatt somehow, so I thought, well, that's funny. So for the next couple of months, I'd go in two or three times a week, and I was I was Wyatt. I was always Wyatt. No kidding. <laughs> I was like, I wonder who this guy is. I wonder who this Wyatt guy is. You know, and I had like this alter 
ego. Probably hated Starbucks. Second Amendment. I was like, I was like making up stories about who Wyatt really was. That's so funny. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous story. I used to work at Starbucks, and they could never get the names right, even if you tell them. And if I was a customer, I would say, "My name's Melissa," and I come back and look at the cup, and it says, "Belissa." I'm like, with a B. Okay, well, <laughs> nice try. Well, okay. So true. from now on, you're Wyatt. Yeah, I know. I like that name, Wyatt. Like, I, I, like Wyatt like, Earp. It was like I was I was afraid to cry. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> like whoever in there thought I was Wyatt for three months. But I bet you abused the heck out of Denny's. <laughs> I never had to. They were always nice. No, when you went and told them, I will where's them. my spaghetti? No, I just turned around and walked away. It's not their fault. It's not the line's fault. It must not have sold. That's what the deal is usually. Well, I, I got to tell you, I was definitely keeping up my end of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every Sunday night. I just went. By the way, I just went to uh, Friday night. I had, uh, uh, I had, uh, I went to Flippy's. Had had a, a business uh, meeting there, and, and went to Flippy's. Had their spaghetti. I'm telling you, Denny's is better spaghetti. <laughs> I'm telling you, than Flippy's. I'm right. telling you, that's that's saying something. <laughs> we sure talk about food a lot on the show. I know. I think because we're always hungry. What time is this? Four <laughs> fifteen. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We're going to talk to Dwight about CO one and yeah. uh, a little bit more about Dwight too. I want to talk. To Have him you more told about him you. what you do with his product? We're going to kick off the segment with that and you're, see if see Dwight, if he reaches out and smacks me. Be, yeah, you'll be smacking him. Someone just asked me about this. We'll, we'll keep we'll, we'll, we'll on the other side. All of right, that. we're going to take a quick break, folks. But don't forget, Dwight's going to be hanging with us. This is Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. We're going to talk to Dwight Settle from Seal One next, but first. Hey, if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call uh, California firearms lawyer John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150, or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. Dwight. Wow. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, welcome to the show, Dwight. Yeah, welcome, Dwight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for yeah. being here, and thank you for being such a big supporter of uh, Gun Owners Radio and San Diego County Gun Owners. Really appreciate it. Well, it's our pleasure. It's... You know, kind of a uh, close to our heart. You know, yeah. about what we uh, cover and um, you know, just anything firearm related. It's uh, it's an important issue. Well, and you know, I tell people either your dime or your time, and and you guys do both. You actually come and help us with the shooting socials and teach people how to shoot personally, and uh, you sponsors the show and and gun prom and everything. You guys are absolutely wonderful. I'm really really a big fan of Seal One. Um, you know, I, I, I use it and, uh, and actually yeah, someone, t- tell him how you use I'm gonna it. I'm going to tell you how. Yeah. You. Yes. I, I wanted to hear this. <laughs> oh, you're going to just, someone just asked me about this on, uh, I don't know where we were. Was it a shooting social? But one of the members came up and said, Hey, do you really? And he, 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 you know, described how I, how I, how I use it. Here's how I use it. I don't know if it's a big deal or not. You tell me. Um, I, uh, on my Glock, I take the, the paste and I take a brush and I scrub the heck out of it, out, inside and out. 
take a lot of a lot of paste and just scrub, scrub, scrub. Like, you know, every little nook and cranny, you know, and now it's covered in paste. And then I take my Glock and I run it in the sink under the hottest water I can I can get. And it it washes everything off perfectly. And then there's there's just it's not like a film, but it's it's clean and it's kind of dry lubricated and it's perfect. It works perfectly because all the hot water just kind of gets rid of the CO1 perfectly. Now, it might not talk to me. You got a smile on your face. Am I? <laughs> you haven't heard this one before, have you? And then I just shake off the Glock, dry it off a little bit, and it's good to go. Okay. Well, I mean, I've heard of people uh, putting it in ovens, taking heat guns, taking dryers. Um, now, I've taken a dryer to mine a hair dryer, but because it's the sig fish that I've got sitting in the aquarium of water, when I'm at shows, you know, so that's when I take the the hair dryer to it. Uh, but it, you know, really, like one of the things I say, it's white. But have on, you heard anybody off. that could that puts it under hot water? Yeah. Muzzle loader. There you go. Folks have, Which is, but that's it's like um, you know, with muzzle loader black powder shooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've taken their whole firearm into the showers with them uh, to, to <laughs> clean it and. And all and okay, um, I don't feel so bad. See now. that? I'm just old school. That's all. Yeah. You need a muzzle loader. <laughs> I've been told I need a muzzle. At well, I wasn't going to say that, but it's interesting yeah. how versatile your product is because I'm sure you hear stories all the time on how people use it. Yes, like they don't bother reading the instructions; they just come up with their own. Uh, a lot of those, you know, and. Um, you know, so it's I've, I've I've heard a lot of different things, and you know we've had a couple where people call in and say, you know, it's not doing exactly what you said. And I was like, okay, well, tell me what you're doing, and then of course they come back and they say, well, I take my solvent, and I said, okay, right there, stop. You don't need to use any other product, mm -hmm. and I think the 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 hardest thing to get across to people is just it's. You don't need anything else. It's truly, you know, just different than a lot of other, a lot of products out there. Mm -hmm. I like to, you know, there's a lot of good products out there that work, but mm -hmm. in the, you know, I'll put ours, I'll put Seal 1 CLP Plus up against any other product out there. And I have told people just, you know, compare apple to apple, not an apple to an orange. You know, you just do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. and, and in the 11 years we've been out doing this, I have not failed myself or a couple of our gun reps or other people I know where I have never been able to not remove more carbon from a firearm that's been clean with, um, you name it. Anything else. Right. And they'll bring me a clean one. I punch the barrel with one of our pre-saturated batches and I'm always getting carbon out. Hmm. That, that's actually, um, that's, a, that's, the, that's always my test. And that was the same test I did on seal one is I clean it. And then I clean it again, and if more stuff comes off, I'm not happy. And CO1, more stuff didn't come off. It was a one-shot deal? It was a one-shot deal, which I was really, really happy. The other thing I like about the paste in particular, it's hard to get down into all those, you know, levers and, and you know, springs and whatever, you know, in the trigger mechanism. And the paste really, really helps. You, you can really get that done. You, you can. Well, and it's funny, I mean, you bring up the paste because a lot of people will look at it and go, okay, well, all right, look, it's a wax or it's, you know, it's thick. How's it going to get down there? So with just touching it with your, your finger, it starts melting right yeah, away. Right. 
So, you know, you just with putting it on with the nylon brush, that friction makes it mm. melt. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it takes, as I always tell everybody, it takes three cleanings. So it's a clean shoe, clean shoe, clean shoe process, like seasoning a cast iron skillet mm. that will, once that's broken in, then it really, you don't need to do anything else. And you'll notice that your cleaning is just easier each time. Um, you know, people come up and say, well, what if I'm at the range and my gun starts drying out and I've got to put some lube on it? And then it's, then you've only probably used it once maybe and you haven't used it um, enough because I've never had that issue happen. We, we had a guy who repped for POF, Patriot Ordnance Factory. He got a brand new rifle, took it, cleaned it three times while breaking it in, shooting. And then after he'd cleaned it three times, he went two years and 53,000 rounds without cleaning it again. Jeez. And the carbon was still wiping off. So <laughs> wow. I've, I've never heard of any other product doing that. Because it definitely does. I don't want to say it leaves a film because that that makes. But you can feel it. Yeah, but it's not. I don't. It's not greasy. No, and it's not. You just oily. You just feel something on there. Yeah, it feels soft. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) feels nice and soft. So as I I like to tell uh, um, ladies when they're cleaning their firearm that if they're using the paste, they're actually softening their hands while they do not the dishes but the, the fire you're, you're kind of like the madge of the gun world <laughs> yes. oh, right. yeah you soaked in it well is that what it was right yeah you, you yeah, soaked you're soaking in it, in it. Yeah. yeah do you use it joe what the uh CO1? The stuff madge used no i use the seal one on um on my 1911 it seems to really like it, it seems to be happy there but i want to start trying it out on the glock because something i ran into when i switched over to the um the red dot site I started getting little splashes of oil on the lens on the front of the red dot. Yeah. And, you know, I try to, I, I don't use a lot of oil on the Glock. I just, but I try to put a little bit where there's wear marks and there's wear marks up near the top of the barrel and um, where I have that cut out. And uh, I'm thinking maybe if I switch over to the uh, seal one on the Glock, then I may not have that issue because that might, the other option is not to, not to put oil there. But um, but I may try that on the Glock and just to see. Well, how it well, goes. It, I'll tell you, I I don't know, Dwight, if you have uh, experience with this, but I was using. I learned a long time ago. Um, I was using like different solvents and lubricants, you know, on on the same gun. Like every every time I cleaned it, I would do use something different. It got all gummy. So when you do switch, I've found um, I've found that when I do switch. I have to like really scrub the heck out of it and then like stick with that, you know, like this is my new cleaner, you know, so it doesn't get all gummy. But the first time I, I like really, 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 really scrub it with the new stuff. I don't know. Have you, you ever any experience with that? Yes. And this is where. Because I had this, I had this goop like, like falling out of the innards of my Glock ones. It was, it was horrible. It was really embarrassing too. <laughs> well, that's why I mean like where I bring up again the three cleaning aspect, right? That it takes three cleanings because. What our product is doing, and no, it does not mix well with petroleum-based products because it's a natural degreaser. So the product people, oh, I need a solvent. Well, this is a solvent, so it's a natural degreaser. So when you're putting it on there and you've only used it, say, one time, 
And if you clean your firearm and then you set it aside and you come back a month later, people say, oh, you ruined my gun because it's all goopy and it's sticky. It's goopy. Well, it's our product doing its job. It's still pulling out because once you put it on there one time, it's there, okay, because it starts penetrating right away. And even though you've wiped it off, our product is still on there. So it's doing its job. It's penetrating into the pores of the metal, the, the plastic composite, whatever it, you know, the firearm is. And it pulling is pulling out the old carbon, the old uh, petroleum-based So when, when Joe switches, what do you recommend? Joe? What does he do? How do, you, what do? What does he do to switch so that, that doesn't, he doesn't well, get all gooped up? Like, Well, how often will you shoot again? That's what I just tell people that, look, if you clean it one time, and you're going to just set it aside for a while, then expect to, next time you come back, it's going to be gummy and sticky because it's actually pulling out the petroleum. It's not our product getting gummy and sticky. I still have some of the original product that was made, first one in 1990 when this product was first developed. And it's still sitting there. It's not gummy. It's not sticky. Yeah, so, my, my Glocks get shot a couple of times a week, so okay. pretty consistent. Then so. you wouldn't notice a problem the next I, time. I wouldn't see that. No, you wouldn't because you'd clean it, you'd shoot, then a couple of days later you're shooting. If you just clean it again, then you'll notice it's not. Now, one thing, once you've been using the product, what I have found is um, – if, if you're one of those people that typically don't like to clean, once, <laughs> yeah. you've, once you've done it the three times, because uh, my uh, an AR of mine I took, and I went 5,000 rounds between cleanings, and I couldn't go any longer because I didn't like it as dirty as it was. you know. But um, a good friend of mine, uh, he teaches in Colorado and, and deploys. Uh, well, he did. And um, he cleans his Glock every 15,000 rounds because he just says, I don't need to with your product. It's just, it's not going to, you know, not going to jam on me. Oh, so I need more incentive not to clean them. Great. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Boy, you know, that's not going to take much, is it? All right, folks. All right. Hey, don't touch that dial. We're going to take a quick break, but we come back. We got a whole lot more right here on Gun Owners Radio. FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hi, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. This is FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Did you know you can use seal one on the dash of your car? No, really? That's like, a, to, like, like I can clean my guns on the dash of the car? No, you, you put that on your dash. I like that idea. It's going to be tough get holding that in the sink, though. I would <laughs> yeah, how do I get the no, car in the no, sink? No, no, no. Only Michael puts it in the sink. Of course, we do have somebody that puts it in the crock pot, but we won't even go there. <laughs> hey, is getting your pilot's license on your bucket list? Well, make that dream come true at San Diego Flight Training International. We are so excited to welcome San Diego Flight Training International as a new sponsor. You can learn to fly, start the adventure of a lifetime. You can learn to fly in the heart of San Diego right there at Montgomery Field. Getting started is easy as giving them a call at 
569-1822. You can learn to fly with SGFTI. Call them today, 858-569-1822. And you can probably go on a flight with Mike because he's going to do that. Well, I don't know, maybe. We'll You'd see. look good in an airplane. You think so? I think so. Yeah, I flew a Cessna 172 when I was a kid so did in I. Florida. Yeah. And he could say, "San Diego County gun owners down the side." Yeah, I do the yeah, the, or, or get the uh, the tail, the, yeah, the, the, the tail flaggy from, thingy yeah, in the back, from the, like on the beach. Dwight, are you a pilot? Did you ever fly? I've flown, but I'm not a pilot. I've never landed. Never landed. Yes. You probably jumped out of a few uh, aircraft, haven't you? A couple of thousand. Yeah, oh, a couple thousand. Yes. So, what did you do in a previous life? What was your who was your previous employer? He rode in a really bad airline. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> No, there's no such thing as a perfectly good airplane. This is what I would tell all pilots. So I just practice jumping out. Yes, uh, I, I in the Navy. Um, I spent a couple of tours on the Navy parachute team. Nice. So I was. Uh, What's the Navy parachuting out of? You name it. I've jumped out of hot air. That you were in boats. <laughs> I was. I was in submarines, so we didn't have to jump. You didn't out. have to parachute out. That of was a weird. It was a weird parachute out of a yeah. out of a submarine. No, that's down the uh, torpedo tube, right? No, actually, we had escape uh, trunks. The problem is, you're whenever you're submerged, you're way too deep to use the escape trunk. It was they used to call them uh, they used to call them mom things or something. It was for Congress and mom. You know, yeah, we have escape yeah. trunks. We can't really use them, but yeah, they're there. Yeah. Well, we use them. We used them in the, the in the in the teams. As oh a yeah, seal. but we you know yeah. we did that on purpose though. If, yes. I mean, if we yeah. Uh, yeah we used to bring you in and drop you off and yeah go kill something and come back. We'll pick you up. Yes, but um, <laughs> we'll pick you with up. us. I mean, if we crashed on the bottom or something, assuming we didn't crush. Yeah, yeah you um, weren't we were probably you, too yeah. deep. You weren't <laughs> coming back out. out right. Yeah. Anyway. What was the uh, um, the rescue? Uh, oh, the DSRVs. DSRVs. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they could get. Yeah, to, they if, can come if down. It's not work. Yeah. So how long you, how long were you in the Navy, Dwight? Uh, twenty years, four months, and nineteen days. Yeah, approximately three hours, thirteen minutes, <laughs> and nine seconds. What took you into the Navy? Uh, uh, getting away from home. Oh, really? Where was home? Houston. Why did you want to get away from Houston? Because there's no water. You look like uh, a guy from here. I got to tell you, you look like a guy from Houston. You're like seven feet tall and about seven <laughs> feet wide, and you look like a guy from Houston. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's yeah. a compliment, by the yeah. way. <laughs> no, it just made me. My sisters always said I had fled Flintstone feet. So that I, so. Welcome to that club. Yeah. So, why did you want to leave? Uh, why did you want to get away from home? Houston was. It seems like a nice place to grow up. It it was uh, just you know probably uh, okay. My mom. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Get away from mom. All right. It's, yeah. Why'd you pick the Navy? Because uh, it was. I was going to go to Texas A and M. But uh, that was only 90 miles away, and I really felt like I needed to get a little further. <laughs> so I joined the Navy to come in for four years. Um, yeah, I was going to say, because I would imagine, because I did the same thing, but I joined the Army, because you're not putting me on a boat with 3,000 guys. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I joined the Army, and I was only going to go in for three years. And I stayed for three years, because they lied to me. That's another story. Well, they. Uh, I actually had a recruiter who didn't lie took he actually took care of me wow and um I, I always say the navy was the best mistake i ever made bingo <laughs> and um, I, I say the same thing yeah. even though i didn't get what i wanted <laughs> i had one that lied like twice but yeah I, I we just had a show on our first hour and it's uh like rotc but juniors and I had two yeah. girls in one was the commander 
And the other one was, and, and you know, these are young kids. They were like in, they're in high school, and they're it has totally corrected their their mindset on life. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, the I, I I was very fortunate because I knew nothing about SEAL Team. Never heard of it. Um, I knew about the Navy Frogmen from the movie Richard Woodmark, James Garner, and, and you had those little rubber guys. Yeah. And then, you of put course, the baking soda in and yes. they would float to the top. Yeah. Yes. And then, of course, the Apollo astronauts. Right. I mean, or, you know, the recovery. So let me guess this is where CL1 came from. Uh, correct. It wasn't my name. I didn't come up with it. Old business partner, he and his wife did. And um, it took me about a week to agree to use the name. Well, what, well, what did you wait a minute? Though? So you went into the Navy. What, what did you go into the Navy to do? Like, how do you end up on the SEAL teams? You know, like, that seems like, uh, well, how I, did that happen? Well, I was fortunate that the, when I told, I told my recruiter, I said, look, I don't want to get greasy. I don't want to, I, I said, I, I want to travel as much as I can in the four years. I want to see as much of the world I can. So he was like, all right, go become an OS because they're the first on the ship. I mean, they're the first off the ship, first on the ship or, or First on, la- uh, last, last off. First off, last on. Sorry, I <laughs> knew what's I OS? There we go. <laughs> what's OS? Uh, operations specialist. Okay. And they work in a uh, the combat information center. It's a you know dark and uh, air conditioned room on the ship, and it's uh, plotting where the ship's going. Oh. And, um, did you learn how to write backwards? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why would you write backwards? Because I tell them. <laughs> Because in the combat information center, you'd have like the, the the windows, and and you would have to write so that every the people uh, could read it. So you'd have people to write on the other backwards. side could read it. Yes. I gotcha. Can you still do it? Uh, it's been forty some odd years since I did that. I so, bet you uh, still could. <laughs> so you're doing that. When did when did you get introduced to being a SEAL? How did that happen? What they call two one day. Second week, first day, they took us to start learning about physical training. And the first, before we ever did any PT or anything, they, uh, that's where they recruited for the teams. Hmm. And um, they showed the film that I like to call someone stupid. They called it someone special. Mm-hmm. But I can call it someone stupid. And um, it showed guys scuba diving, skydiving, blowing things up, shooting. And I was just, and I how old do were you? That. And how old were you? I was 19. Yeah, so that would be something you wouldn't want to do, right? No, not no. at all. And no. what year was this? This was 1978. Oh, really? Yes. Holy cow. So, I mean, SEALs were just, they hadn't been around too too long by then. Well, they'd been around since 1962, mm-hmm. the SEALs. Uh, the Frogmen started in 43, which came from the Scouts and Raiders, Naval Combat Demolition Units, and um, it, it all started because of Tarawa. The first landings mm-hmm. in, in Guadalcanal and all when the, the, the landing craft were coming up on the beach, they hit. They were, it looked like about, uh, you know, 30 feet from the beach, and uh, the Marines would go running out. And it was a sandbar. And then next thing you know, there's six feet of water there. Everybody's underwater with all their packs, and they were drowning. Mm-hmm. So they were, okay. Jeez. We got to find out a way how to. We got to fix this. To fix this, mm-hmm. and 
So what was it like being a SEAL for 20 years? You were a SEAL in the 80s and 90s. What was it like uh, being, you know, it's pre-9-11. Yep. And, and then what, 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 do you feel things have changed post-9-11? What was, first, what was it like being a SEAL in the 80s and 90s? Um, man, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blowing stuff up. <laughs> Traveled the world drinking beer. You know, it, um, as I was just uh, telling somebody, it was the, the teams, I'm, I'm a natural rebel at heart. And um, the the teams was a way where I could be a rebel with structured environment. Yeah, and, that's interesting. Um, uh, it was, I uh, I mean the our we would meet first thing in the morning, seven thirty quarters. You know what? You know you'd do the roll call and all that. That's what quarters is. You'd quarter for muster, and um, our uniform was our PT gear. Uh, I mean, my first day checking into the team, I came out, and I'm looking at guys that are in flip-flops, some have shirts on, and this is in November. And, uh, you know, tennis shoes, uh, some have the, the covers, you know, some don't. I'm just going, man, this looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Well, there, there's a lot of, like, did you know, did you get to, did you work with Jesse Ventura? Uh, Jesse had already uh, gotten out, you know, and uh, his name was Jim Janos, and his brother was in the teams. Jan oh, that's right. Janos. Yeah, and uh, Jesse was at a UDT team, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, my first team was UDT twelve. So that's the underwater demolition teams, and so when I came in on the West Coast, you had UDT eleven and twelve and SEAL Team one, and on the East Coast you had UDT twenty one and twenty two and SEAL Team two. Mm. And um, uh, the teams, SEAL Team 1 and 2, were established January 1st, 1962. Uh, and uh, so in 83, they did away with UDT teams just to make them all SEAL teams, just to keep people from, I mean, even in the military, even in the Navy, from being confused of, Okay, what's a UDT and what's a SEAL? What what was the what was the difference of the duties that they did? Well, um, at the time, UDT was responsible for um, the water line coming up just into the hinterland, and the SEALs took the hinterland going inland. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yes, and the, so the primary and secondary missions were just switched around. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, at that time, the UDT t- platoon had. 22 guys in a SEAL team had 14 guys hmm. uh, as a platoon. And um, then and, they... And did you know uh, Did you know Marchenko? Did you get to know that guy? Did you serve... Uh, uh, any, that was around the same time, wasn't it? Yes. Well, that's when uh, uh, Dick Marchenko, when he started, when SEAL Team 6 started, that um, I was in line to interview and didn't realize at the time that... Uh, this was, if you got out of line, you were never looked at again. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine, we each got out of line because we had just returned from our first deployment, and um, we'd gone to uh, the Philippines, Hong Kong. And, Let's keep rolling. Yeah. Let's bring him to the next segment. Sounds like a plan yeah. to me. <clears throat> Hold that story. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer.
welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, does it take too much time to clean your guns to end up smelling like a gas station? Well, clean, lube, and protect your guns faster with CL1. CL1 CLP Plus is natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. You can treat your guns one and done with CL1. Clean faster, smells good, and ask for it at your local gun shop. And if they don't have it, tell them to get some. Or you can just go to the website, CL1.com. That's CL1, the number one, dot com. In fact, we have the man in the house who's part of seal one and we've been talking more about his military career than we have his product but well we did a whole segment on the product but uh, but it, it's kind of interesting where, where, where you're going with this so you, you were saying that in the 80s you'd, you 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 knew who who marcinko was yes and 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 they and that was he was the guy that started seal team six and at the time they had seal team one and two one was west coast two was east coast and then from from interviews with him he said he called it six to confuse the russians because uh, he wanted them to think there were more teams than just just the three, right? Isn't Correct. that the story? Yeah, it was to make it. Uh, wait a minute, we only know of one and two, and now there's a six. Why? You know, because the <laughs> you know the military doesn't do that. Yeah, you know, it's, they they try to go in chronological order. Right. So, um, so I mean, did you fathom? I mean, you, you joined the navy. Did you fathom you were going to be running around in jungles with your with a with a you know with a with a rifle? You know, going into the Navy, it's not typically what people think of. You know, uh, they're more about swabbing decks and, you know, <laughs> chipping, <laughs> chipping <paint>. rust. <laughs> so that must have, what there had to have been a time when you you were a SEAL. You know, a couple years into it, I don't know. Um, you're I'm, you're you're training in a jungle somewhere because I know that especially in the '80s, they were still teaching lessons they learned in Vietnam. There was probably a lot of jungle training, a lot yes. a lot of South American activity, that sort of thing. Yeah, there had to have been a time. It, you know, when you were a SEAL, when you just thought to yourself, man, look at it. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, this is cool. You know, th- that hit you or? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I was, a, you know, the a kid in the candy store, you know, <laughs> and, and were <laughs> let loose, you know, and then they'd reel you in and then let you go again. But, reel you out. Yeah. <laughs> what was the most yeah. impor- important lesson you learned from, the, you know, from being a SEAL? What's something you learned being a SEAL? Like a lesson you learned being a SEAL that you don't think you, you ever would have learned in life? Well, actually, it was like going through training. One thing that they emphasize and emphasize is pay attention to details because it's the little things that get you. It's it's not the big things. It's the little things. And as we, you know, all know that we've learned and, and that's what it is. And hmm. because paying attention to the little things actually starts getting you aware of situational awareness which is where most people today find themselves getting in trouble because they're just not aware of their surroundings. And um, so anything you're doing in life, it's just pay attention to what you're doing. And So when you go to Denny's, you make sure your back (laughs) is against the wall, not facing the door? Uh, I try to do that. Wherever I go, you know, it's, you know uh, what that, you know what that's all about? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's a, uh, it's a big, big, that's a bigger cop thing than it's a military. Yeah, I a, think it's it, 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 most of the guys in the military, special, special forces and SEAL teams. That's you cannot make them sit on the other side of the table. Well, that makes sense. Unless you've got something that you can look at. Yeah, exactly. Like a see, mirror yeah. that you can see what's going on behind you. Or if the guy across from me, I 
I trust him. Yeah, exactly. To, you know, and yeah. where you, you watch their reaction. Yeah. I had a waitress tell me that. She said, this guy keeps coming in, but he won't sit anywhere but right over there against the wall. I said, well, next time he comes in, ask him if he was in the military. And she did. She goes, he was a SEAL. Of, oh, I don't know what that is, but he was a SEAL. I go, well, there you go. <laughs> well, she just want to – you don't want to get into a room or when you walk in. It's, I mean, you're looking for avenues of escape exactly. or avenues of where you could be attacked from. Exactly. Bottom, um, bottom line. Yeah. Now, you got out in 98, right? 99. 99. You got out in 99. And it, 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 it appears to me that, that SEALs kind of continue to be tight even after they leave the military. You know, they, they still kind of keep in touch and maybe even go on base and, you know, talk to guys. And it seems like a really tight-knit com- community even after you retire. Is that is that pretty standard? Yes. Um, you know, when you go through training, everybody in your class is – um, especially your, your swim buddy and, and all you, you, you came real, you got really close with and, um, and you, you just rely on each other, you know, so we're as, you know, any, you know, special warfare, special forces, you know, whatever you want to want to call it when you've been through something, you know, uh, you know, the a term is the crucible. Right. You know, when you've been through that, you you tend to. Um, it's hard to explain it to yes. somebody who's never done it or been there. Right. You know? I mean, and that's why so many military personnel, believe it or not, they get out, and within six months, most of the time, they go back <laughs> because when they get out, that camaraderie, that you know, taking care of your, it's gone. Did you miss it when you got out? Uh, yes, but uh, when I got out, I and I was chief of the Navy parachute team when I retired. And when I got out, there was a few of us that were retiring at the same time. We started our own parachute team. That's that yeah. we so it was made up of team guys. So we would still see each other and still go out and do stuff. Uh, you know, because as we you know said in the teams, we were you know high speed, low drag. And when I got out, it went you know. Uh, low speed high drag and um uh, you, you know it was, I, I got out and i sold life insurance and just uh, you know i learned some stuff but it's i needed a job though that i could uh, leave on the weekends <laughs> you know and, and you uh, needed a little adrenaline <laughs> oh i, I needed and the you don't adrenaline. get that selling insurance i'm sorry no no was you know. it? I mean, being a seal, was it an, an adrenaline? Uh, you know, did, did, were you an adrenaline junkie? Did did it really? You know, you know what I mean. Was that a part of it? I mean, it's, I got to tell you, it seems. I remember in the in the seventies and eighties, um, they would the, mil, uh, the movie industry would would uh, portray special operations guys as like kind of these on edge, like insane, crazy guys. You know, there was Rambo. Rambo. And, you know, every movie, every bad guy in a movie was was former special operations. Well, he still has his and bandana then, on, and then, yeah. and then they had Navy SEALs, and that was almost kind of a kind of a, almost a comic book portrayal of SEALs. But the first time I saw special, well, it wasn't really comic book because the the scene where he jumped off the car right. over, off the right. that happened. Oh, really? Know? And who, who did that? You allowed to say? No, it's East Coast <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, he jumped out of a jeep off a bridge into the water. That actually happened. Yep. Oh well, I mean, right. I stand corrected. Yeah. I mean, I know someone that uh, <laughs> on a, was he on his way to a wedding? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. but the beeper scene happened. 
They were already in the wedding. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. I and of course, the that. golf court scene. That's that's been you know probably still happens today. Probably. So, but the first really portrayal, the first realistic portrayal I saw from my limited experience with meeting special operations guys when when I was growing up and whatnot um, was uh, Black Hawk Down. You know, they were really portrayed as like these calm, cool professionals, no matter what's going on in the face of horrible combat. They're 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 calm, cool professionals. So, you know, do you get so trained and so used to what you're doing? I mean, do you still get that adrenaline? Is it still you know? Would you describe it that way? Um, yeah, you know, you, you do, but see, and that's one thing like what training does, not, not just the SEAL team, but you know, any specialized training is they, they take you so that they understand how you're going to behave under that type of situation. Mm. Okay. So like what, what SEAL team does, or I mean, what training hell week is there it's to one let you see how far you can go and how long you can be awake and be hungry or um and that your your body will handle the situations and if you can handle that mm. and um so being able to to go through that situation teaches you a lot about yourself that it's like okay I can handle these things because it's um you know one of the uh, you you never know i mean in a stressful situation or whatever um what's going to happen until it happens so maybe this is a better way to answer your question (laughs) the first time you jumped out of a plane was it as exciting the last time you jumped out of a plane um yes (laughs) <laughs> so see that's really i think where you were going good, good yeah you know and so okay so the 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 contact you have with with you know post 9-11 so there seems to be this 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 pre-post 9-11 split in the military that i've only heard of i i, I didn't serve and i don't know no. um did you have you noticed a a, a change in in you know post 9-11 seals compared to pre 9-11 seals or or maybe even if if not, is there a, a difference between seals today and seals back in the eighties and nineties? Uh, there is a difference, and um, I mean, look, the the big thing was there was no war from or conflict, whatever you want to call it. I mean, from Vietnam until after post nine eleven, correct? Right. I mean, you had a lot of skirmishes and little issues that happened, Panama and whatnot. Yes, but there wasn't the prolonged uh, war. And I mean, that we haven't had anything like this in our history right. until these past 20 some years. Yeah. Um, so the, and another thing that's different is like, as the team guys, when I came in, we were all, you know, my era peer group, it was like, we were all juvenile delinquents. Hmm. And um, nowadays, most of the graduates, I think the average um, graduate out of BUDS right now, 70% of them are college graduates. I was going to say, you would have never gotten in if you were a juvenile delinquent. Right. That's cool, Dwight. And you don't even have a tattoo. You don't have a tattoo? Well, you don't know, the, do you? Not that it's showing. <laughs> and we're not going there. I've already seen Mike's. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. 
Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Public schools and your guns, they want to know where they're at. We're going to talk to Joe about it next. But first, a lot of companies are frustrated with their website. It looks old, it's hard to update, and it's just not generating enough leads. Well, SageTree gets it. Since since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and get leads. Stop being embarrassed by your website and get one that you're proud of to share. Contact SageTree today. Go to go to their website that makes the phone ring. Getting started is real easy. Go to SageTree.com and schedule a call. Go to SageTree.com and press the schedule a call button. All right, Joe, what do you got for us today? Well, I got another great idea, another great constitutionally sound idea from uh, Sacramento. So we have um, SB 906, which is the, it's got a cool name too. It's the uh, the school safety, mass casualty threats, and firearm disclosure bill. Oh. And um, we talked about this last week with, um, we had a school board member from Coronado. Yeah, uh, Esther um, uh, Clayton. Esther Clayton, that's right. So uh, yeah, and I'd heard about this a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was interesting to talk to her about it. And um, I've been wanting to write about it. I just didn't get around to it till now. <laughs> but um, what this bill is essentially is um, it wants to, to make a change to the Ed Code in California to require um, parents to have to disclose to the schools um, their firearms owner ownership, I guess, uh, status. So do they own firearms? If so, where do they store them? How do they store them? Um, that kind of stuff. That's what the bill wants to do. And um, this bill is brought to you by um, State Senator Anthony uh, Portentino. Uh, he's an L.A. area senator from, uh, what is it, District 25, I guess, is um, Hollywood and that that area up there. And um, Started out in a city council, by the way. Yes, and he's a, uh, a, a Democrat senator. He's a, um, a uh, gun control supporter. He stands for sensible gun control. Uh, he was instrumental in uh, banning uh, open carry in California and then raising the uh, the um, required age to 21 to buy firearms. So, um, you know, probably not a uh, not a Second Amendment guy, although I, I would imagine he says he is. But, um, you know, the, uh, the bill is interesting because, um, you know, Esther talked about it last week. And, yeah, it requires... Um, uh, parents to have to disclose to the schools um, about information about their firearms ownership. But if you read uh, more into it, if you read the text, and I linked to it in the article, which um, I'll publish either tonight or tomorrow morning. The article's finished. I just haven't put it up yet. Um, but what they want to do is they want to require um, school districts to uh, include a box on the enrollment form that the parent's supposed to check indicating whether or not they own guns. And um, so you want to have that on there. And then the other thing uh, they're requiring the schools to do is to uh, put out a- an annual notification to uh, parents about the, um, the safe storage laws and, um, you know, the, uh, the dangers, I guess, to, um, to not storing your guns uh, correctly. 
And, you know, it's interesting because it's another, I mean, there's already a million ways to, to do that. You know, we're all, everybody's, um, you know, concerned about trying to do something to, you know, stop school shootings and this and that. And, um, you know, realistically, there's, there's a ton of laws on the books. The other realistic thing is, yes, as tragic as those things are when they happen, um, there's no way to stop all of that stuff. And they seem like they happen a lot, but realistically, um, if you keep it in context and you think about the number of adults and the number of children that are in schools every day all across this country, and then compare that to the number of unfortunate you know, incidents like that where someone gets shot, um, it's really not as prevalent as you would think it is. And we already do a pretty good job of um, you know, doing things to stop that. This law would do nothing uh, to do that. What this law does is open up another opportunity for abuse, basically, is what it is. It's another way to intimidate parents. Um, if you're a parent, we saw a lot of this over the last two years. I think um, I think one of the uh, one of the consequences of the COVID stuff that went on for the last two years is parents actually got to see what was going on in schools. I think um, I think prior to that, you know, a lot of people are working, a lot of households, um, both parents work, and they're not really right on top of exactly what's happening at school. Um, with COVID, it forced a lot of parents to be working from home. It forced the kids to be going to school from home. And I think parents are starting to overhear what's actually going on in schools. And um, a lot of parents didn't agree with that. And we saw that with um, all the issues at all the uh, school board meetings all across the country last year, um, especially in Virginia, but it was happening in a lot of places where parents were going and they were speaking up about these policies. And what they ran into was... Um, very defensive, very resistant school board members. And uh, there was even a point where, um, where the uh, DOJ and the attorney general uh, for the current administration was, um, was being urged to declare um, these parents domestic terrorists. <laughs> and they were threatening them with the FBI. And I think they actually did uh, have the FBI start to look into things like that. And this is, you know, this is the environment that we're in nowadays. And by disclosing gun ownership, that's just another um, another way to intimidate, to quiet down parents like that that may disagree with you. Um, because if you look at uh, some of the things here with the um, with disclosing the gun ownership, I mean, there's really no reason for the schools to have that information. And a parent, um, you know, owning a firearm is is no more you know a threat than a person who owns an automobile being a threat as a drunk driver. You know, it just, it makes no sense at all. And um, if you read the bill, the other thing that's really scary or frightening, and um, and I urge everybody to read the bill. It's not that long, and I link to it in the article. Uh, but when you see what they, um, you know, the bar that they set for something being a, uh, what do they call it, a reasonable suspicion of a threat, it's a really low bar. Um, and anybody from, from the janitor to a teacher's aide to a principal to a superintendent to a board member can feel threatened and, and start this process where, you know, they're required to bring in law enforcement and do those things. Um, the image of a firearm, if a kid, um, you know, say a 13 or 14 year old happened to have a, a copy of his dad's guns and ammo magazine in his backpack because he was reading it and he forgot about it. Somebody sees that that could be interpreted as reasonable suspicion of a threat, you know, under this. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, um, it's silly. And one of the things that, that I looked at, too, in the article, or one of the questions I ask, is, you know, how do we get to this situation where, where you have absurd laws like this 
that this isn't unusual. This is a routine, normal law, probably, that would get proposed out here and uh, or anywhere, really, around the country. And, you know, you have to question, how do we get to that that point in our society where this, this kind of stuff happens all the time? And, you know, and then what can you do about it now? Because um, this law is being proposed, and um, if it gets um, gets passed and signed in the law, um, it'll take effect in January of 2023. And there's really nothing to stop it from getting passed. I mean, there's there's really not going to be any resistance, uh, you know, in the assembly or uh, in the Senate up there in Sacramento. Uh, Governor Newsom signs just about all this kind of stuff. So uh, there's really nothing stopping this. So what do you do with that? You know, it's um, and and kind of uh, probably upset some people, but you know, it's you have to look at okay, why are we in this situation? And gun owners have to you know, claim a lot of this responsibility because we've let it happen over the last, uh, you know, especially if you're a 30 or 40 year gun owner, because we've let the other side basically control the narrative and we've let them generate, um, you know, this, this information or demonize, uh, I guess, gun owners and guns and things to the point where, you know, people that aren't gun owners look at this and say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we should do that. And, and that's what you got now. Now it's an uphill battle to kind of correct this. So, Hopefully people won't comply. It, it's not clear what the uh, penalties of non-compliance would be. It's probably going to um, depend on how the districts implement this stuff. But um, hopefully people will find ways to not comply. And, um, you know, if they can't do that, get their kids out of the schools. Do something else. There you go. But anyway, you'll be able to find that. Uh, I'll put it on our uh, San Diego County Gun Owners website tonight or tomorrow. Uh, it'll be on the getagrip.substack.com site as well. So take a look at it and... Uh, Form an opinion. Awesome. All right. Sounds like a good one. Uh, all right, folks. Don't touch that dial. Gun Owners Radio. Melissa Miller's coming up next. She's got a Melissa Miller. I did it again. Melissa Miller. Melissa Lee. That's a good friend of mine. <laughs> but she's coming up with a great gear review. She's now learned to play a guitar. So stay tuned. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. So how do you carry your rifle in public without looking like you're carrying your rifle in public? Maybe you've even asked, how can I carry my rifle in public while looking like a mariachi player? Melissa Lee has just the thing for you next. But first, did you know Leo's business just doesn't sell jewelry? And they'll also buy your jewelry. Leo Hamill, friendly jewelry uh, buyer, with will buy your jewelry, diamonds, gold, silver, flatware, coins, or Swiss watch for the best possible prices and pay you on the spot. They even buy broken jewelry or watches that aren't running. Why not sell the, jewel, your, the jewelry or watch that you're not wearing and get money to buy a gun that you can shoot? When you sell to Leo Hamill's, not only will you get the best possible prices for your valuables, you'll also be supporting the Second Amendment. Support the companies that support the 2A. Call 619-299-1500. Or you can visit their website at leohamill.com. 
uh, to find the jewelry buying location near you. Always get awesome service at Leo's. Call 619-299-1500. All right. So we've got uh, Melissa Lee in the house, and she's going to be talking about, is it Savoy Equipment? Um, Savior. Savior Equipment. So today, you guys, this is a really cool piece that I think everyone's going to love. Uh, Multifunctional. You know, people carry around their gun cases, rifles, and all that stuff, but they don't want to look like they're carrying a a gun or rifle. Um, Kind of want to be inconspicuous. So Savior came up with a guitar case that you can turn into a gun case. And so you can hide it in there. Um, This is an amazing case. So Joe is going to be my Vanna White today. He's going to show off the ultimate gun case. And I have with me um, Lewis from Savior to talk all about it. Lewis, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, thank you for joining me. This is a great case. I love it. Thank you for sending it to me. Um, Tell us more about Savior. How did you guys come about? And um, how did you guys come up with this case? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we pretty much started as um, pretty much just a bunch of gun enthusiasts. Um, We felt that, you know, we wanted to, uh, you know, develop a product that was not only affordable, but also a quality product uh, that can be accessible to everybody. So anybody that's a new gun purchaser, um, your weekend shooter, um, your competitor, military, law enforcement, and you know, pretty much anybody can get their hands on our products, and we felt that the only way to make it um, viable in today's market is to make it affordable. So that's our key motto is quality products and an affordable price. This is a very affordable case. You guys, this is only one ninety nine ninety nine, and I would get yeah. your hands on one of these for, like, Father's Day gifts or, heck, I would love this for Mother's Day gift even. Um, because... Melissa gets shut down on YouTube um, for putting guns on. Um, I can't put a gun in this case. I'm sorry. I can't show you guys how it looks. But I did put in my camera equipment, and it fits everything beautifully. However, here's the one thing I do have about the case. It took me two days and two hours of trimming to get this case you know, cut out or the foam cut out. It was a pain in the butt. And I did get that um, that hot knife you did tell me to get. So first I used mm-hmm. a regular knife. And then I used a bread knife. I didn't have an electric knife, like a turkey cutter kind of knife. And then I contacted you and you said, get a hot knife. So I did. And that just didn't work all that great. So I had to like just shove it down the hot knife down and then pick it up and then shove it down again. It just couldn't like cut through it. Um, so... It's like a Mona Lisa right now. It looks great, guys, right now. But if you get up close, the foam is jacked up. It's not all that great. Um, Could that be <laughs> operator error? <laughs> uh, you know what? My friend, call, my friends call me the Asian Martha Stewart, okay? Because I am very crafty and handy. Um, I had a very difficult time cutting this foam to make it clean. Um, my suggestion, Lewis, or as a consumer... What about the foam that you can pluck out with little pre-cut squares? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, so uh, so we're actually thinking about that because uh, for me, uh, you know, I am part of customer experience. So anything related to product development, 
uh, product issues. It, uh, everything pretty much passes through me. So, um, you know, I have, you know, received a lot of feedback about the difficulties about cutting the foam. Uh, with the hot knife, it just depends which one you're getting. I'm not sure which one you got, uh, but it does take a bit of patience. Uh, you have to kind of run through the foam pretty slowly, make sure that you're able to kind of burn it and move along the trace lines that you made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are looking at, um, you know, developing something that will fit like, you know, like your normal, like say like AR-15, uh, you know, AK-47, if you want to add like a pistol in there, um, you know, most conventional pistols, you know, your Glock, 1911s, uh, things of that nature. Uh, but the purpose of that case is to allow you to customize it to how you want it to be. Um, so that's why we sell replacement foam. So it sounds like you might be in the market for a replacement foam <laughs> I piece. am so in the market um, for replacement foam, however you are sold out. Um, let me yeah. tell everybody that it does come with three thick foam layers. So essentially you can like cut it for an AR-15 and then lift up a layer and then have that layer cut mm-hmm. for something else. And then you can just interchange, you know, your foam with whatever you're carrying. Correct. However... Melissa messed up two layers of foam. So I only had one layer left to like actually work with and I made it happen, but all the rest of my layers are junk underneath. So, um, don't don't worry. (laughs) You're you're not the first and you won't be the last. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll be, uh, you know, working on something like that. It's in early stages of development because we're, we have a, a lot of other projects that we're working on right now. Um, but yeah, no, we'll hear you loud and clear and, um, and yes, you know, that's something that we'll be offering, but, uh, but yeah, like in your situation, you know, camera equipment, I, I think I, I mentioned to you via email that you are probably the first person I've encountered that is using this for camera equipment. I mean, it, it's, uh, so, it's, I mean, I'm showing you that it could be used for different purposes. So that's mm-hmm, a great thing. Mm-hmm, correct. Um, I did want to mention these, um, the, the clips or the, the, the closures, they're spring-loaded. They're nice to open. It doesn't take any effort. I don't have to put all my weight on it just to close it. Mm-hmm. It's spring-loaded, and it pops right open. They're so nice. And the wheels, the wheels are nice and smooth like luggage. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so we, you know, uh, yeah, I'm happy you love it. You know, we designed that case uh, for uh, ease of use. So a lot of our stuff is very modular, and we really try to keep it simple. Uh, so, you know, me personally, you know, uh, I travel a lot you know, across the country. So uh, we, whenever we are bringing demo equipment, we use our guitar cases. So the, the guitar cases are TSA approved. Uh, there are lockable latches, um, as you can see on the, um, on the case. So you won't have any issues running it through airport security. Uh, but for the most part, it's, you know, it's something that you don't have to lug on your back, especially if it's fully loaded. You can just wheel it around the airport and the best, and I would say the most important aspect of this case is the covert features because when people see a guitar case, they're not going to think that you have a gun inside. That's right. right? That's so, right. Uh, so, the, so that leads to, you know, a lot of our new products that we're coming out with. So like 2022 is something that we are more focused on, on something in, more so inconspicuous, more covert. So we just recently released a tennis bag. Yeah, the tennis uh, that looks bag. Exactly, it looks exactly like a tennis bag, but it's completely modular, you know, and it can fit, you know, one rifle, two rifles if you want to. 
comes with, uh, you know, all the attachments included. So, you know, pistol holster, mag pouches, uh, battery holder for your optics. Um, that's another case that, you know, we have been getting a lot of great feedback on. And we also are, are, are slated to release our violin case. So think about the guitar case, but in a smaller version. So, you know, if you have violin like case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's another one that's been really, really, um, you know, you know, on people's radars, especially after SHOT Show and some of our social media posts. So a lot of people have been asking about the guitar case just because of that covert feature. So we feel that, you know, if we're able to um, kind of focus on that, you know, or put a little bit more focus on into something like that, I think it will be, you know, very viable to not only gun owners, but to people that, you know, just really would don't want to freak out their neighbors or people you know, in their public environment that, hey, you know what, I uh, I have a rifle, or I have a firearm. So, um, so yeah, you know, we're really excited to see, you know, all of these products launching, but the guitar case essentially, you know, is what started it uh, for us. That's our only hard case. So we mainly specialize in soft goods. So like soft rifle bags, uh, pistol cases, things of that nature, but we also do storage equipment like racks. So uh, not just, you know, uh, rifle bags, you know, if, if there's anything else that you need uh, to, make your life easier in terms of ha storing your firearms or to making sure that it's transported safely, you know, uh, you know, that's what we offer. Hey, so Luis, you know, Mike's, you know why Mike's you, got a question. You know why you can't, uh, for those listening, you know why you can't just go to a tennis shop and buy a tennis bag for your rifle? I found this out the, the hard way. Uh, standard uh, tennis rackets, they're 28 inches. Yeah, uh, 28 inches. Right. And your AR is at least 30. Um, so that's why you can't just go buy a, uh, a tennis racket, uh, case and then so, throw a rifle in there. So Luis, let me ask you a question. How do you, how does this deal with TSA? Cause needless to say, it's got to go on, you know, the underbelly of the plane. When you check your mm -hmm. luggage, do you tell them it's a rifle? Oh yes, yes, definitely. So you go through the normal procedure, like how you would check a you firearm. Check in. Check uh, firearm. Yeah. You have to check in. So the TSA requirements is that it has to be a hard case. Uh, the lid can't be pried open, so they'll check that. Right. But most importantly, the lids have to be locked. Right. So double lock too. Able to lock, double lock. So there's there's a reason why there's more than one lockable mm -hmm. um, section on gotcha. the lid. So so that allows it to go through TSA and the reactions that I've been getting, um, you know, going through airports all across the country has been, uh, you know, pretty phenomenal. Like people are. The TSA agents are like freaking out. They're like, "Can I take a picture of this?" It's amazing. <laughs> That's I'm like, awesome. Okay. And you tell them, yeah, "Sure, you so can." Like, <laughs> well, tell us your yeah, website sure so you people can. can find you and you know check it out and buy one for themselves. What's your website? Yeah, so www.saviorequipment.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Savior Equipment. Also, Facebook Savior Equipment. Uh, if you ask any question via Support at SaverEquipment.com, Instagram messages, or Facebook messages. 95% of the time, you'll get a response from me personally. Uh, that's something I hold near and dear to my heart. So if there's any questions or concerns or any problems, um, I will be the one that will be addressing them. So, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, you can reach out anytime and, uh, and, you know, hope we can, you know, continue to further this, uh, I want to say this movement, especially in this current day and age. That sounds pretty good. All right, yep. buddy. Thanks Thank a lot so for calling much. in. We appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961.
1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Your right to protect yourself is being slowly chipped away by the gun control industry. Tune into the next segment to get up to date on what's been happening in the fight for the Second Amendment and what you can do to help. But first, PRMIMortgagePrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help with a VA loan? Or if you're looking to buy, refi, or considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage for nearly 25 years Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. So there's all kinds of cool stuff going on in the Second Amendment activism world. And if, if you're not involved, this is, I got to tell you, this is your opportunity. This is, this is your year to get involved, whether you're in the Inland Empire, San Bernardino, Riverside, or you're in Orange County, or you're in San Diego, there is all kinds of stuff happening Second Amendment related. You know, I think it's easy to get discouraged and focus on the bad, because there's a lot of bad coming down the pipe, it seems like, every every year. Every year, they, they you know, Joe just talked about some horrible bill that's being introduced, and, you know, it's almost like they're, they're running out of stupid ideas. They're having to really struggle to come oh, up with new no, stupid no, ideas. No, 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 no. They will never run out of ideas. You see how goofy they are right now? Oh, I know. They just, they, they must sit in a room and say, okay, what are we going to come up next? Yeah, well, they tried to, uh, earlier in the year, the ghost gun thing was a, was a big, that was their big pejorative. But, uh, but there really is a lot of good things. There are a lot of good things happening. Um, you know, all four counties have a strong sheriff a strong ccw sheriff um that's been endorsed orange county endorsed don barnes he's he's he really helped kick off the uh, orange county especially helped kick off the um the ccw uh thing in in southern california um and and he's he's a bit of a convert you know don wasn't always pro uh issue and Mm -hmm. but but he saw the light and listened to the uh the, the people, especially the sheriff that served before him, and in his whole term, he's been extremely pro-CCW and extremely worthy of our support, and no one's even running against him. That's how strong a candidate he is. But for someone to be that strong you know, pro-CCW and still you know be such a strong candidate is in and of itself a victory. Now, people people kind of, well, you know, gee, Orange County, that's, you know, the ultimate uh, uh, conservative stronghold. Not anymore. You know, it's not really like that anymore. There's a lot of elected... Uh, anti-gun folks in in Orange County, it's they're having just as much a struggle as anywhere else right now. So for them to have such a strong CCW candidate uh, for sheriff, that's that means a lot of really great things. In uh, you know Inland Empire and in Riverside, Bianco, everybody's favorite. I got to tell you, I really love that guy. He's extremely strong candidate. Just had a fundraiser. Inland Empire gun owners was there. Carla and Mike uh, Tally were there um, at his fundraiser. He had a thousand people at his fundraiser. The sheriff had a thousand people at his fundraiser. It's huge. And uh, he was happy to to stop and talk with Inland Empire. Um, he's a very very strong Second Amendment guy. He's issued over ten thousand CCWs and in, in just uh, just the first three years that he was in office, which is really really fantastic. Um, I think it's even more than that. But it was like, like I think it was like the first two years he'd issued ten thousand, wasn't it, Joe? Do you remember that? No, I don't remember quite the numbers there. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with your uh, your yeah. memory. <laughs> and then uh, Dykus up in. 
Sam Bernardino has taken over for uh, McMahon, and, and that's another strong situation. There's a lot of really good things happening. And, and why is this important? Well, it's cool because you can get your CCW now. It's cool so, so you can protect yourself. But this is a, um, you know, a fairly quick cultural change that's happening. You're having tens of thousands of people that are walking around with a concealed firearm. You know, these are sane, trained, law-abiding gun owners that are walking around with a firearm like it's normal because it is in the rest of the country. That is turning into a cultural change. That's huge. And, uh, you know, San Diego went from 1,100 to we're over 6,000 now. And just uh, yeah, 62, 78, I think, is the number right now. And the March numbers will be out here probably this week or next week. And they're approving what, like 200 a month? Yeah, like, they're not approving. They're issuing, issuing 200 a month. They're, they're approving month, yeah. more than 200 a month. They're issuing 200 a month. Um, that's huge. But what's interesting, and I, I think I'm going to write about this. Um, Have Joe do it. <laughs> I, what's interesting is there are two fairly major races in San Diego um, where the Democrats are pro-gun and the Republican is anti-gun. And they're fairly major. This isn't like dog catcher. This is a fairly, fairly major race. Of course, everybody thinks of Democrats as being anti-gun, which they've earned that reputation. And they think of Republicans as being pro-gun, which they have not earned that reputation. And I mean, to be honest with you, they're just not Democrats. So people... Um, and which assume. are those races, just for our listeners? It's so the, the two races, two major races, let's start with the less major of the two, is Chula Vista Mayor. Now, Chula Vista is a town of, what, 250,000 people, something like that. They have uh, Now, they have a, a fairly big field, but the three front runners are uh, Jill Galvez, um, Amara Campanajar, and uh, John McCann. John McCann is the Republican, and then Amar and uh, Jill are the, two Repu- are the two Democrats. And... John McCann, start with the Republican, voted for a gun ban about two, two, two and a half years ago on the city council. Voted for a gun ban. Voted for a gun ban. Okay? And it was a resolution saying, yep, he wanted to ban some guns. He wanted to ban magazines. Um, it, it was a horrible resolution. Talked to him about it beforehand. He indicated that he, he wanted to vote against it. Uh, wanted to help. Wanted me help. Wanted me to get uh, the, uh, the additional vote. He needed three votes. And he knew he had one more, but he needed a third, and I got that vote for him, and he still turned on us and uh, voted for this this gun ban. So the person that voted f- with us, Jill Galvez, she's the one that's actually – she's the Democrat that's running for uh, for mayor. And then the other one, Amara Campanajar, um, you know, courted our, our endorsement, you know, when he was running out here in East County, you know, owns guns, made a commercial about guns. Now everybody, you can you can you can sit there and be skeptical. Oh well, they're just saying it. They're just making it up. They're just whatever. They don't really. Well, it's not exactly. Nah, 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 nah. Okay, but it's the Republican in the race that's voted for a gun ban in an official manner. It's the two Democrats in the race that haven't and have actually supported, um, you know, the the right to keep and bear arms in very real ways, including voting against that gun ban. Did you speak to him after that? Who, John McCann? Yeah, we had words. <laughs> we spoke. Yes, he, he drew the Schwartz ire. I remember that. <laughs> Was he on air? Choice words. He won't come on air. He's, a, he's an absolute spineless coward. Um, and That's the mild version. Yeah. Can't you just tell us how you feel? <laughs> just quit beating around the uh, He's horrible. He really is horrible. No, but here's the other big race is you have two Democrats. So you have three front runners in the uh, sheriff's race for San Diego. And we've talked a lot about it. And the two Democrats, Dave Myers and Kelly Martinez, are very pro-CCW, they're pro-gun, 
And the Republican, the endorsed Republican, is, of course, Hemmerling, who's, who's you know, gun violence restraining yeah, order. And yeah, just we've, we've talked about him. Seven. He's, he's so bad, okay, he's so bad that two more candidates who are Republicans have jumped into the sheriff's race. That's how bad he is. They basically met him, heard him talk, and said, all right, we got to do something. One of them is a CHP officer, career CHP officer. His name's Jonathan Peck, really good dude. Another one's named uh, Chuck Battle. He's a, uh, he was a career um, uh, deputy, sheriff's deputy. Both good men, both fantastic good men. And they jumped in. Uh, you know, they don't have a chance, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um, Talk to them both on the phone for at length, and they just – you cannot raise enough money and get the word out quick enough, jumping into the race this, 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 you know, this late in the game. Well, that truck driver did it back east. <laughs> yeah, well, it's – you're right. It happens. Bucks. Miracles happen. <laughs> But it's unfortunate. But that's how bad the Republican candidate is. So that's the that's the the majorist race in San Diego. Everybody votes for sheriff. You have two pro gun Democrats against one endorsed uh, wow. uh, anti gun uh, Republican. And he's endorsed by the Republicans. Endorsed by the Republican Party. They wow. they screwed over the San Diego County gun owners in order to endorse him. And again, that resulted in two more people jumping in. That's how horrible. Hammerling is. Well, you know, the other thing, too, that says about the, the Democrats that you were just talking about is it's uh, you got to give them a, a little bit of credit for standing up, you yep. know, for the Second Amendment side, because they have to go against pretty much a major pillar of their party to stand up, you know, for gun rights, say, whereas with the Republican side, it's a lot easier for them just to not say anything and pretend, yeah, I'm pro Second Amendment, but they don't have to do anything. But for a Democrat to do that... Hit the nail on the head, Joe. That's exactly right. And that's why, I got to tell you, I don't, no matter where you stand, you know, first off, I think you should vote for Democrats who are pro-gun, even if you're a Republican, even if you don't share many of their other views, because it will help make them more like you. It will help make them more like you if you vote for Democrats uh, based on their... who are standing up and saying, yep, I'm pro-gun. Even if they're even if they're not A pluses, let's say they're they're Bs or B minuses, you know. But at least they're they're you know they're standing up and saying, "Hey, it's important." Um, but if you absolutely can't bring yourself for whatever reason, I got to tell you, Kelly Martinez is such a good candidate. She's been in the department for over thirty years. She has a ton of experience. Um, very level headed. Very you know middle of the road. Very. I mean, she's done a really fantastic job. She's head and shoulders above on paper and in practice. She's head and shoulders above her opponents. And if you can't, if you, if you are, if your principles don't allow you to vote for somebody who's such an outstanding candidate, you know, because because she's a Democrat, I would suggest it's time to reevaluate your principles, because she's so good. If you absolutely can't, if you're so committed to Team R that you can't vote for somebody that's so good on Team D, I would recommend it's time to maybe reevaluate um, your principles. But at the very least. Um, Call these pro, pro-gun pro Democrats and say thanks. It means a lot. Just call them up and say, hey, you know what? I don't know if we agree on much else, but boy, can't tell you how much I appreciate you standing up for my gun rights. It means a lot. So <clears throat> there you go, Dave. All right. Sounds good. But hey, guess what? We're going to stump Mike's nephew on the next segment. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that right here on Gun Owners Radio, FAM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. 
FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Okay, June 18th, coming up, San Diego County Gun Owners has their gun prom on April 29th. I hope I didn't get that wrong. Orange County is having their gun prom. It's actually April 23rd. If you want to go celebrate with us, it's actually called the Second Amendment Celebration Dinner. And if you want to come celebrate in Orange County on April 23rd, or you want to come celebrate on June 18th in San Diego, go to gunprom.com. Gunprom.com. Tickets are on sale right now. Tables, tickets, individual tickets. We need you to buy ASAP. Um, We believe these these, uh, events will sell out. So buy now and support the Second Amendment. Support your Second Amendment celebration dinner. Support Gun Prom. Come have fun with us. There is no commercial. There's that's the commercial. Okay, so <laughs> you just did it. Yeah. So uh, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Um, Stump my nephew. Uh, as as we found out, as we all know, we found out uh, a while back that uh, my nephew is really really good with with gun trivia. So every week we get somebody to to send us in a, a question, and if we read your question on the air, you get a hat or a shirt. Let us know what you want, and we'll send it to you. And if you stump my nephew, you get a really special prize. Last person to stump my nephew got gun prom tickets. So uh, that's probably what we'll give away this time. Although this guy, the guy that wrote in, I don't know if he can make gun prom. He's all the way out across the country, so we might have to think of another special thing for him. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll contact if he stump. Let's, let's see if he stumps him. We can send him some newskies. Well, no, he's he's the, real the, close to newskies. The leg lamp from the Christmas story. That's <laughs> what you want to get. <laughs> all right. Sam, are you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Good, man. How are you? Doing all right. Yeah, anything exciting? No, not really. All right. Well, you got a uh, you got a question here. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's have it. Dwight from Seal One. I forget. You, do you use Seal One out there in, in Virginia? Uh, no, I do not. See, so he represents Seal One. It's a cleaner and a lubricant. Uh, they're sponsor of the show. Fantastic. You guys. Now you 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 are you work at a, at a gun shop there in Virginia, right? I do, yeah. I've been bugging upper management to uh, order some Seal One. Hopefully they will, but uh, no promises, I guess. There you go. All right, well, cool. Okay, that's where I was just trying to, Dwight, I was just trying to strong arm some sales there for you, bud. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, Send well, him a free sample. He'll love it. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, Sam, this is from Paul from Good Hope, Illinois. All right, what derivative did CZ Build from the Colt and CZ project, name the Z40. Who was that? Uh, who who was that? Who wrote in? His name's Paul from Good Hope, Illinois. Paul from Good Hope, Illinois. Thanks very much for writing in. Um, the uh, Z40 was it? Yeah. What, um, it's it's a really obscure pistol. I've never seen one in person. I've only heard about them and seen photos, but. No, I, 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 I don't remember, like, the whole story verbatim and everything, but as I recall, um, it was a joint project by Colt and CZ back in the 90s when 40 Smith & Wesson was still the, the cartridge du jour, and um, recently, uh, recently liberalized um, Czech Republic was looking to uh, export something, anything, so that they could strengthen their economy. And so they put together a joint venture with Colt to make a more modern pistol uh, in, in the, the new 40 Smith & Wesson caliber. And I might be getting this confused with uh, 
another CZ pistol at the time, but I believe it was uh, polymer framed, but hammer fired, and it did not last all that long um, before they phased it out, and that would be their last polymer framed pistol before the PO7. You, you got a name? Do you remember a designation at all? Of what the pistol? Yeah. Um, I I want to say CZ two thousand, but I don't think that's right. Yeah, I, he didn't give a whole lot of information. I'm going to read it here. The CZ twenty seventy five Rami R A M I. Does that sound familiar? Oh yeah, I know about those. That's a little. Uh, it's a cut down CZ seventy five. Um, it's it's basically the same as a CZ seventy five B, but it's uh, got a ten plus one capacity and like a three inch barrel. Well, he says that's what this is, uh, designed by Radic Howerland and Millen Trugujla. I can't say that last name. But I guess the uh, the Rami, R-A-M-I, is the first two letters of each designer's name. R-A is Radic, and uh, M-I is Milan. Or I guess that's how you say that. And it was produced, like you said, 40 Smith & Wesson and 9mm back in the day when uh, 40 was still, uh, what did you say, the round du jour? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to give that to you. Did you get that one right? Uh, no, I don't think I got it right because I was thinking of a different CZ pistol from that time period. That I think so. So I, so we're going to have to figure out something cool for Paul. Paul, if you're listening from Good Hope, Illinois, and you want to come out to San Diego's Gun Prom, we'll get you a couple free tickets. Um, if, if not, we'll figure out something something else special for you. But I appreciate you listening, and Good Hope Illinois, maybe we'll get like Dave says. We should get you some newskis, and you're absolutely you're right down the street there from the newskis uh, factory there. So maybe we'll just have you some newskis shipped there to you there, there guy. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, you, you you didn't get it right, but you know can't we'll get give, them all. We'll give Paul some uh, seal one too. Oh, cool! All right, there you go. You win some seal one there, Paul. So Can't what do you that. what do you think's going to happen? First off, you were talking about CZ in the Czech Republic. Tell us, tell everybody about CZ in the Czech Republic. Um, the uh, the factory in um, I'm I'm going to screw up the the pronunciation, but uh, Uherski Broad I think is is what the the name of the town is. They've been producing uh, motorcycles and uh, like heavy equipment as well as firearms for a really long time. And they make some really excellent handguns. They make long guns, too. Their rifles are fantastic. But uh, the, the, the saying I've heard is, CZ, come for the pistols, stay for the rifles. Yeah. <laughs> Why, what kind of rifles does CZ make? Um, they make some pretty nice bolt-action rifles, uh, you know, sporting, hunting-style rifles. Um, and they also produce the uh, Czech Army's uh, service rifle, the 805. And they've been producing the uh, Scorpion Evo, which they didn't actually design in-house. They bought the design from another smaller company in the Czech Republic. But uh, the, those Scorpions are really popular out here. And this was, and you, you, again, you described 40 uh, as the the uh, caliber du jour. Are you, do you think there's going to, seems to be a significant drop-off in the popularity of 40. Are you, would, you, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I think 40 is kind of a dumb round. Uh, I understand the need for it back in the day, and the history behind that cartridge is actually really interesting. But Touch on the history. Modern 9mm loadings that perform almost as well as a 40 uh, because of advances in, in bullet design and propellant chemistry, but producing significantly less recoil. 
and you can find a much wider variety of firearms chambered in 9mm, and they tend to be smaller as well, so easier to handle for some people. Was it, was it, is it connected to the Miami shootout, the FBI Miami shootout? It is. It absolutely is. Um, after the Miami-Dade shootout, uh, the FBI determined that its officers, who were armed at the time mostly with 38 and 357 revolvers, needed something a little bit more powerful, um, and in an auto-loading platform. So they uh, first they looked at the 10 millimeter, which was pretty new at the time. Jeff Cooper had helped design that, uh, but they determined that the 10 millimeter was a little bit too potent. Uh, one of the FBI agents was an avid hand loader, and he told the guys at the range here, "Try my hand loads," and they were basically um, uh, downloaded to produce less recoil and uh, lower velocity. And the agents who fired his hand loads really liked them. And they got with Smith & Wesson to have them uh, basically redesign that as its own cartridge. So they were able to shorten the case because there was less powder in there. And that way they were able to fit the round into a smaller frame. So and the, where 40 Smith & Wesson the, comes from. Yeah, the 40, so the 40 Smith & Wesson is a uh, lower velocity, shorter cased uh, 10 millimeter, right? Is that accurate? Yeah. <clears throat> and they, uh, I know it was really, my understanding is the, the federal government was really going after it. The FBI was using it. Basically, law enforcement was was really starting to adopt it. And then it sounds like the death of it was 9-11, that a lot of the federal guys went overseas and they couldn't, they weren't compatible with the military, which were, you know, using 9 millimeter, and they started switching out. And that that seemed to kind of be the beginning of the end of 40. Am I, am I, am I making that up? Am I remembering that Okay. Um, I can't speak to that specifically, but the compatibility is really important. Um, whatever the FBI does, a lot of other departments will do as well. They'll, they'll follow suit because they don't have the resources to do the kind of testing the FBI can. Mm -hmm. And so when the FBI a couple years ago uh, announced they were switching back to a 9mm, a lot of departments uh, started going that way as well. They, many departments have found that their smaller statured officers, uh, especially female officers and those with limited shooting experience, can make better hits and score better with the 9mm than they can with the 40. And it's considered that making more better hits is more important than just having a powerful gun. Because if you can't shoot it, then it doesn't matter how powerful it is, right? That makes sense. And Smith & Wesson, I think they'll be okay if they lose... Uh... If they lose that, they <laughs> I think it'll be all right. But you know, you know who had the most miserable failure? What gun manufacturer had the most miserable failure when it came to uh, making ammo? Is Glock all the the Gap ammo? Oh my gosh, none of it even came close to taking off. Uh, just kind of a miserable failure. One of the one of the few. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Glock guy, but their ammo just never never had any kind of foothold. Anyway, Sam, good job. Sorry you got stumped, Paul. We're gonna send you some cool stuff. Um, let us know, though, if you want to come out for Gun Prom, Paul, or maybe, I don't know, Rich, maybe we'll reach out to him and figure it out. But if you want to come out to Gun Prom, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have you, we'll give you a couple tickets and, you know, see what we can do. But uh, thank you for the question. It was an awesome job. You stumped my nephew. Take Thanks care, Sam. Thanks for having me on. I, I can see the pistol I was thinking of in my head, so I'll, I'll have to find the, the name of it and send it your way. Sounds like a plan. All right, folks. Hey, subscribe to our show. You can find us on your favorite podcast app youtube or instagram and please support all our great sponsors san diego county gun owners the dylan law group prmi mortgage sage street 
Digital Marketing, CO1, Leo Hamill Fine Jewelry, San Diego Flight Training International. Thanks to Joe Jamisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Brendan Thomas, and our special guest, Dwight. Welcome to the show, and thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. All right, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.